Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. How's everybody doing? We're here early today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the uh, next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. This is a treat for me. Normally, I have the air conditioner blasting in the background, and today I don't have that because we're early enough during the day that I don't need it. It's the nine, we're not going to hit a miserable 95 until like 3 o'clock, so I'm excited about it. Anyway, I want to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We're 45 strong up and down the state. Just got a bunch of new members. Going to start uh, meeting up with them and getting some investigations going. And we'll be doing live investigations right here, right here, right here. So it's going to be fun. So be on the lookout for those. Anyhow, uh, you know, it might take us a couple days to get to you. You know, if, if you think you have a paranormal thing going on, whether it's UFOs or cryptids or whatever. But we will get to you. The thing is, California, when people think of California, they think of us as beaches and, and sand and bikinis and all this stuff going on. Kind of like Hawaii. It's kind of thought of, you know, kind of like Hawaii. And it is part of it. You know, we got the coast of California does feature that stuff. But there's so much more to the state. And that's what people don't realize is how big the state actually is. So you're looking at Southern California, you know, Central and Southern, where you've got some real nice beaches and stuff. Northern California, you still have the real nice pristine beaches, but it's not as warm. So, you know, a lot of people gravitate to Central and Southern. My point is, is that we've got that going on, but we've also got mountains, you know, lots of lots of skiing, right? Lots of skiing and um, snow sports. <laughs> and we've also got deserts. We've got high deserts. We've got, you know, um, wide spaces, a lot of farmland. And that's what people don't realize is that even though we have people up and down the state, you might be an hour or two or three away from us. So that's why when you call and ask for help, we'll get out there. It might take us a day or two to get out there, but we will. But one of the things that we do, what I offer, is that I, 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 you know, at your request, I can have one of our mediums call you and do a remote read. And if there is something bothering you in the home or office or whatever, they can usually calm it down until we can get out there. If you want to physically work with you. So that's one big benefit. So if you want to find us, it's easy. All right. You can find me on Facebook. You can find California Haunts Radio on Facebook. You can find California Haunts on Facebook. You can find us over on TikTok under California Haunts. You can find us over on Twitter under California Haunts. You can find us on Twitch under Cal Haunts. And you can also find us on Instagram under Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. Plus, we do have a meetup, so that's California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team meetup. You can find us over there as well. Uh, speaking of the meetup, I'm doing this really cool thing where I, I'm offering a monthly meditation club where for one fee, you guys will meditate me doing a, you know, doing a narrative med- meditation for you uh, twice a day. It's going to be uh, starting Thursday. It'll be 3 p.m. Pacific. And then we'll be doing it at 7.45 p.m. Pacific after my main show. I added the 3 p.m. because a lot of you guys on the East Coast can't do it at 7.45 p.m. my time, right? Because it's really late. So I offer the 3 p.m., which would make it, what, 6 p.m. your time. So hopefully that's a more convenient time for you guys to sign up. So what you need to do is uh, I'll have the link up later on this afternoon. Uh, wait till you know, like, you know, well, 3 or 4 p.m. your time. And uh, go on over there, Pacific 2, you know. Wait till 3 or 4 p.m. I said my time. I'm sorry. See, I get these times for you. 6 p.m. your time on the East Coast to sign up. All right. 3 p.m. Pacific time. Got it. I'll have it together yet. Anyway, <laughs> time changes. Huh? Um, anyway, so uh, you can sign up over at the meetup, and that will be under events. So, you know, you'll see it. But it's, it's a great thing. I, have, I, I only have nine spots available. So, you know, once I get it set up, jump on it. Jump on it. But that whole month includes three or four, um, oh, wow, three or four um, meditations a week. And that also, inclu- that also includes health stuff. So we're going to talk about different stuff. 
we're going to talk about your chakras and all that so we're going to get really mystical with this stuff okay so um i've been doing a lot of research and training and, and um, this, this is it we're going to do this and uh meditation has a lot of benefits and i'm sure you guys know about that anyway head to the meetup around 6 p.m uh eastern and uh, we'll have that all arranged for you okay that being said my guest today i love i have family in england i have family in croydon i have family in in, in just, just generally spread spread across England, and I'm really excited to talk with this gentleman because I love the folklore, I love the legends. You know, I would love to go, go I would love to go over there with my ghost team and look for ghosts. I'd love to check out the castles. I would love to do all that stuff. You know, maybe someday that that will happen. But until then, I have guests like this gentleman who's coming on today to talk about it. And this is Miss Paul Sinclair, and he's going to be talking about. The area that he lives in, which is Yorkshire, it's got some interesting things going on. It's not just about the ghosts; it's about other stuff as well. So I'm going to be bringing him on. So uh, sit tight, grab grab yourself some hot cocoa. Well, it's midday. Grab yourself a hot, something cold. Grab yourself hot cocoa. Sit yourself down. Maybe, maybe you're listening in your car. Maybe you know. Maybe you're listening at home. You know. Put on your fuzzies. Sit on the couch and uh, dim those lights. And uh, we're going to have a great show. Also. I'm happy to be here. I hope you are too. Let me bring Paul Sinclair in and away we go. How are you? You all right? How are you, sir? I'm very good. Yeah, all good. Here in uh, a very wet, cold UK today, but uh, all good. Great to see you. The UK is beautiful. The UK is, the, the weather you guys have is kind of like what happens up in Seattle here, right? My dad always used to laugh when we were driving. We'd say, Oregon, you know, we'd drive and say, oh, beautiful green it is. Well, there's a reason why, <laughs> you know, but there's nothing wrong with that, though. So where do you want to go with this? Just hit me with any questions you want, and I'll just answer as truthfully as I can and let you know about the research that I'm doing here in the UK. Absolutely. Tell me about you, because I know about you, but these guys probably don't know about you. Right, Paul Sinclair, 60 years old, vested interest in the subject of the unexplained due to things that happened to me during childhood. Uh, obviously, a child doesn't keep a diary, but I'd have thought from about four years old. And then, obviously, I've, I've written the books, the Truth Proof books. We've now got into, we've just completed a documentary uh, based on the cryptids here in the UK. And I'm I'm just researching. It's not it's not it's not even a hobby. This is 24 seven. I'm out there. I'm I'm in remote locations. I get all over the place, and I, I, probably that's what I'm known for most. It's more. Spoke at a conference a few weeks ago at the Awakening Conference. I had to put a sh shirt on and trousers. It's not me. Jeans and boots, and out oh, in God. forests and amongst the trees. But uh, you have to do these things, don't you? You know, if you're gonna. Uh, spread the word about what you're involved in and it's multi-phenomena research and i don't just mean for myself i think for everybody as a whole i think my, my own personal opinion is the subject is in certain departments is stuck and pigeonholed into boxes mm -hmm. so you know we've got the ufo researcher the cryptid researcher the person who looks into the ghost phenomena everything's linked in my opinion i'm not i'm not saying it as the law people don't mm -hmm. have to agree with me but my general opinion is that there's a there's a link there's a thread running through it all you get to these locations that you know what people could term these locations locations of high strangeness but these mm -hmm. multi-phenomena locations you usually find that if you're looking at ufo activity in those locations there's other there's other things taking place as well but and in the past i think the the ufo research has not wanted to mix the two and i'm not saying they have right. to do but I think if we can look at the common, the the location is the key to mm -hmm. start with, but there's got to be other factors in there as well. But so yeah, that it's multi phenomena research. I find what you're saying interesting because I remember when I read the uh, book, uh, uh, the Mojave Incident, and I remember reading what happened after they were abducted. And as a ghost hunter, when I'm reading this stuff, I'm thinking, this seems just like what ghosts do you know they're, yeah. they're coming through the walls the room is getting colder 
the levitation, there's all this going on. And I started to think like you do, where there has to be a link or something to it. You know, there's more to it. I, there got to the point where I thought maybe we're not hunting ghosts. Maybe we're hunting aliens. Very true. And and we maybe we ought to use the word alien kind of loosely because it's right. not thought to be extraterrestrial. Alien to everything we know and understand as being normal. I mean, the things that interacted with me in childhood mm -hmm. are, were, were alien, but for all I know, they could have been what some people would perceive as demons. Mm -hmm. And 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 then as a as a you call yourself a ghost hunter, great term. But do you know some of the spheres of light, the orbs that people see on the cliff tops close to where we live in the eastern North Yorkshire? Mm -hmm. We're seeing spheres of light. Now, some people will attribute that to the UFO phenomena. The, the ghost hunter would think that that's maybe spirit light. And I don't think either of us are wrong. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just our view of looking at it. I think where we, where we all fall apart is we argue over what it is instead sure. of just saying, you know, we've got some strange phenomena here. I've, I call them ILFs, intelligent light forms, because there seems to be some kind of, some kind of interaction with the people who are viewing them. And an example... Mm -hmm. I'm sat now, a little town of Bridlington, a fishing town. I'm literally 200 yards from the seafront. Three miles away, we've got these cliff tops of Bempton and Speeton. And the, the rock anglers, the guys who go up there in October after the seabirds have finished nesting and that, you know, the law doesn't allow them to fish. Uh -huh, uh -huh. They talk about the ghost of big railings. And they see a sphere of white light that's about four or five foot off the ground moving up and down the cliffs. And they're attributing it to a, the head torch of a of a fisherman because it fits in with what they want to believe. I sure. don't think that they're not seeing this sphere of light, but it's just their their take on it. So there's a, a fishing stand is called Big Railings, one of these up there. So and this is seen often around Big Railings. I've never seen it personally. I've spent years and years up there, but they call it the ghost of Big Railings, and it's a sphere of light. Mm -hmm. A few miles away, we have a, an ancient earthwork called Dane's Dyke. I mean, your, some of your listeners might or might not want to Google these locations. It's it's Neolithic. It's a Neolithic earthwork, so it takes it to like three and a half, four and a half thousand years. It, it was excavated by. It's called Dane's Dyke because originally it was thought that the Vikings made it. They mm -hmm. created earthwork, but. Uh, it, it's been discovered since by, by archaeologists that there's lots of flint and stone tools. Uh, so it's, it's Neolithic. Where am I going with this? They have a, they have a legend of a white lady, the, the, the ghost of a white lady who said to roam and haunt Dane's Dyke. I've seen the spheres of light in, in Dane's Dyke. People mm -hmm. have talked to me and said, we've seen the white lady whilst walking in the dyke. It's this ancient woodland. And when I ask what they've seen, they've seen a light. They've not seen the apparition of a, of a female figure. So I, I find that aspect fascinating, you know, that, that maybe myself included, we're fitting the phenomena into a box that we want mm -hmm. it to mm -hmm. fit into rather than mm -hmm. looking at the wider picture and thinking, you know, the cryptid researcher is, is, is looking at this, the, the UFO researcher is looking at this. You know, it, I, I don't mean I'm right. It's just mm -hmm. my on things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well while you were talking i i, I was remembering that um, up here on our foothills and up on our mountains there's, there's a lot of canyons rivers at the bottom of the canyon and there are a lot of there are quite a few sightings of orbs that are in these canyons now whether like like in this one particular spot a car had gone over people had died whatever but whether it's a ghost or whatever it is you do see these things just like you were describing off the cliffs so it does make you wonder, you know, not to, like you said, not to fit them all into one category because it could be anything causing. That, that's correct. And I mean, probably one of the most famous places in the world for paranormal activity, unexplained phenomena, Skinwalker Ranch. Sure. And, and that's a multi-phenomena area. And I'm mm -hmm. sure there's others around the world. There's the Hoyabaku Forest that, that's, mm -hmm. that's multi-phenomena. There's the area of Bempton and Speeton that's multi-phenomena. And they're exhibiting all these these unexplained happenings now there's some people well i've suggested that is this one phenomena presenting as many things mm -hmm. and we call it a hive mind so let's assume that you're into the ghost phenomena that's might be what you see all i'm doing is throwing the ideas out there you're interested right, in right, UFOs, right. ufos 
nuts and bolts craft that's what you might see or is it the location that is the key and uh -huh. it's a thin area where many facets many aspects of unexplained phenomena are able to present in in our sphere of existence you know one one part of the unexplained that i never thought i would look into is the cryptids never and, and I'm keen to say to people when they say, what do you look into? I'd say, I don't want to be labelled as any one thing. Because in recent years, I've, we've made the, the documentary Wolflands. Uh, it took us three years to make. At, all about cryptids in what's called East, Eastern North Yorkshire. And I'm independent witnesses, unrelated to one another, all reporting things that you could only attribute to be a Bigfoot or what the the new word is dogman, but werewolf type phenomena. I uh -huh. find the word dog. I know dogman seems vo in vogue, but if you ask Joe Public, if somebody, if you spoke to somebody off the street, even if they weren't interested, and you said what's a dogman, they'd probably look at you and laugh. If you said what's a werewolf, they'd know exactly what you meant. Sure. You know, I, I just think we're dressing. I think we're 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 talking about the same thing with a new uh -huh. word in the uk it's still the werewolf phenomena but you know the places where these things have been seen uh -huh. the folklore just goes back hundreds and hundreds of years for accounts of the same thing so uh -huh. even though i'm researching this and even though we've made wolflands the documentary uh -huh. i'm not exactly breaking new ground i'm treading in the footsteps of people hundreds of years before me very close. There's a there's a forest where three three wild campers went into in twenty August of twenty eighteen, uh -huh. and it's in a it's in a seven hundred foot ravine where a river called the River Derwent runs in the bottom. They'd never been before. There's three of them, and Jimmy's he was like the the, the leader. He would find a location that's remote. They take a bit uh -huh. of fishing gear, food, and camp, and just have a weekend away. Three men. They arrived quite late, travelled 120 miles from their home to this, to the top of this ravine, which is called Reesty Bank, which means rancid, to be honest. That's what Reesty Bank stands for. And they descended into the ravine immediately. Well, not immediately, but when they got down there and started setting up camp and it started, the night's folding in, two of the witnesses have gone on film. The third one wouldn't, but witness number three said, I don't like it. We have to leave. Something's hmm. watching us. So already we get an idea because of the story. Do you want me to unfold this story? Do you want to continue with yeah, it? Absolutely, absolutely. Already we're getting an idea that there's something impressing itself on one of the witnesses. He's saying, like, we've got to go. I don't like it. We've got to leave. They're looking at him because they're not interested in unexplained phenomena. These are just three men who work in, during the week and they've got themselves a two or three days break in this ravine in this with this river for fishing and What's the matter with him? And it's starting to get dark and he's getting more and more agitated. He says, we couldn't leave. In some places, we've had to come down this 700-foot ravine on his backsides and it's getting dark. We're not going to go out of it. Then suddenly, and Jim, there's Jim and Steve who've gone on film. Jim says, a pair of amber eyes lit up in the darkness. It's human-shaped eyes. And I'm using his words, his analogy. He said, they were as big as your fists. He said, now we're trying to find an an animal to assign those eyes to were his words. And uh, he said they were about 40, 36, 40 inches off the ground. Witness wow. number three is terrified and he's, he's getting really, really panicky. And the, all the time they've got the fire going, they're watching these eyes. He doesn't know what it is, but they're worried that he's going to run off into the darkness. So it, to, to, to avoid that, Jim stands up. He said, now walk two or three paces. And all they can see is eyes. There's another factor here. It's dark, self-illuminating eyes, almost bioluminescence. They've got no light on them, which is, these are the, these are back to the stories of folklore with the, the phantom hounds with glowing red eyes and things mm -hmm. that you get mm -hmm. along these cliffs. Incidentally, the, the legend of Count Dracula is, is, we, and the Hound of Dracula stems from this area. Really? Whit, Whitby is literally Whitby is literally a few miles inland from this forest. Um, I'm not saying that's the reason, but there you go. Right. So anyway, we'll continue. He said, I stand up. I take a few steps towards this animal, making a few hissing and shooing sounds, and it disappears. 
Then I turn around to Steve and witness three. I'm, I'm keen not to say his name because he he just wants to distance himself from this. Right, right. And uh, he said the jaws had dropped. He said they looked horrified. He said, and when I turn back, the eyes that disappeared and were about 36 to 40 inch off the ground are now stood seven foot in the air. <laughs> see the outline of this thing looking at us. And he said, it's huge. It's monstrous. There's three of them that are observing this. I went with a surveyor's tape. I've, I've spent nights in this forest myself now, and I've been back in with them for two nights, the two witnesses, myself, you know, a group of us. Right. It was 42 feet away. I measured the distance where it was, and we, we put a white tape on the tree where they estimated the eyes were, and it was 87 inch to the eyes. We know we can't be under... Yeah, we, we, we know we can't be 100% accurate. It could have been 85 inch. You know what I mean? It, but this is their estimate. It watched them all night. They said at first they thought it was growling, but then they realised it was his, its breathing. Now, Steve said, I could I, I didn't even look at it in the end, he said, because I could see it in my peripheral vision and I was that terrified I just wanted it to be over. He meant life ending. He was that frightened. He wanted it. To, he said, I don't care how it ended. I wanted it to be over. Morning starts to creep in a forest. I mean, there'll be people listening to this who've spent the night in the forest and it's the most fabulous experience when it starts to wake up. And he said, and it had gone. We hastily pack our things. We make our way out. And witness number three is saying it's still here. It's still watching us. So there's some interaction. I need to stop myself. During the night, he said to the other two, it doesn't want you here, Jim. It wants you to go. He says, and you, Steve, he said, it doesn't want you here. So that tells you that although they'd not discussed it with him, that this, he's getting some kind of communication from this thing, this this guy, you know. So he said, as, as we're going out of the forest, suddenly he says, we're all right now, it's gone. So that was that story. Wow. Now, that, that, that story is in a forest called Broxa Forest. Now, if you, if you study a bit of folklore and ancient mythology, in some cultures, the Broxa is a shape-shifting demon, which is interesting that they've named this forest Broxa Forest. I find that part of it fascinating. Three miles away from Broxa Forest, <clears throat> 120 years ago, a writer named Howard Brearley wrote about the Barguest of East Ayton. Because three miles away, there's a little village called East Ayton. And when you look at what the bar guest is, I don't know if you've ever heard of a bar guest. I've never the, heard of a bar guest. It's got, it's got a few variants on the name. It couldn't be a bear guest, but it's it's a, it usually depicted as a huge hound with flaming red eyes. And it was said to be haunting the forests and moors around this area. So folklore, we're, we're, we're literally just stepping back in time with these things. And uh, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. Seven miles inland. There's a there's a dis, an abandoned farmhouse, and a gamekeeper in 2002 came across something very similar, and all the witnesses that we've had in the documentary have been totally unrelated, no no connection to one another, but what the the common link is, and I think you'll have found this when you've been interviewing people, is they're mm -hmm. searching for answers. Right. And there's very few out there. So when you talk about the cryptid phenomena, there's very few people out there. I mean, there's probably more at your side of the world than there is in the UK. Right. We're going to take these people seriously and not laugh in their faces when they're telling you something that is absolutely, it's completely off the wall, I have to admit. And I'm writing the first book, this first mm -hmm. Truth Proof book, the, the local paper and, and a few others put an article in saying, author wants stories of the strange and unusual. And I weren't into cryptids at all. And uh, I got a few accounts from a place called Flixton, which is 11 miles inland from where I'm sat now. And and I've, I've now called them the accounts of the Flixton werewolf. And this is probably one of the oldest werewolf, documented werewolf accounts in the world. Because when you dig back into time, uh, <clears throat> and Flixton, incidentally, is only eight miles from Broxa Forest. And at what runs at the back of Flixton is the River Derwent, the same river that runs through that ravine. It, so th there are links. But if we go back into ancient times, because I, I heard you talking on your intro that you like folklore and you like the old stories. 
937 AD. That's a long time ago. It's it's a thousand and eighty six years ago, I think. I think that's what where we are where we are with that one. About a thousand and eighty six years ago, the the king and it's not legend. It's all documented. Who was then King Athelstan had a refuge built at Flixton, and the old writing goes it was to protect travellers from wolves, which would have been prevalent in the UK back then, without a doubt, but more importantly, and an infestation of savage beasts. Now, the only apex predator we would have had back in 937 AD was the wolf. The bear bear had gone 1,500 to 2,000 years before. So I'm not saying it was the werewolf phenomena, but what was the infestation of savage beasts? So we've got this refuge. It was called Carman Spittle. Uh-huh. Spittle meaning hospital, sure. and 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 it so and it was built then. Now the foundations of the spittle, there's a farmhouse on them now, and a, and a, and it's been turned into a a pub. That, you know, people can drink uh-huh. beer in it, a bar called the Spittle Inn. I've got a report in our documentary Wolflands from again the Spittle Inn, a young woman and her husband, two children driving home late at night. Claim to have seen this thing on a roundabout of all things, you know, as they're driving down the road. Huge beast as big as a small pony. Do you know it's the most bizarre subject of all of the things that we talk about in unexplained phenomena to for, for me personally to get my head around. But I keep going back to the fact that they can't all not all of these people cannot all be liars and they're all from different levels of in we'll say intelligence different walks of life different age groups unconnected to one another and they're all sharing these accounts i think basically what they what people are needing your side of the world and mine mm-hmm. are, are half decent researchers who are going to treat people with respect and not make a documentary or write a book that's going to make them look like lunatics for want of a better word, you know, and 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 that I feel is my role, and and I'm so entrenched in the subject because of the things that happened to me in childhood, it, right. uh, because you know what I what, what I experienced in childhood, I can talk about absolutely. Well, that was my next question. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we, we did a con- I, I was at the biggest conference in the UK speaking mm-hmm. about three weeks ago called the Awakening, and I spoke about the night people. Where is it there? That, that, that's one of the books that I wrote and that's the the things that took place in my childhood uh, and child don't keep a diary so I would have thought I was about four years old mm-hmm. and uh, the, f- the first thing that happened I was it I was we lived in a little village called Old Denaby and about a mile away there's a town called Mexborough and my dad came and woke me up in, in the night. I'm not, I have no idea what time it was. And he wanted to show me something. Again, the cooling towers of the Mexborough power station. Dad didn't used to wake me up. If I'm being truthful, my dad were a really harsh man to live with. And he, he guy would smack first and ask questions later. So for him to spend some time interacting with me is, is a memory that stuck with me. So there's a huge ball of light near the power station. It looked to be just above the rooftops because you could see all the street lights of the town from my bedroom window. And we watched it and it's, it's like a big swirling mass of lemony white color. And it's just rolling along the rooftops. It's not really touching them understand, but that's little boys watching this. Dad goes downstairs. Don't think there's a mystery. I think he went to look at it from the bottom of the garden. I watched it till it descended into to the nearest town of Swinton. Nothing happened after that, but I believe that was the catalyst. Uh, I, I've, I read a chapter in one of the books called The Intermind Connection, where if, mm-hmm. if, if you look at the phenomena, the phenomena will look back at you. If you concentrate on the phenomena, be it spirit, be it UFO, you will get an interaction within if, you, if the intent is correct. I don't know whether you, it's resonating with you, any of this, as in you agree, but you don't have to. That's what I'm saying. No, I, no, I completely agree. Um, you know... Um, even my father used to say, you know, if you focus on something, you wish hard enough on something, it will yeah. come to you. The correct intent. Yeah, you're so right. I, I, I get that. So I don't know what time span took place after this sphere of light. Mm-hmm. But I remember it could have been a week. It could have been two months. But I'm laid in this bedroom, only child, laid in my bed. 
wake up in the night and the curtains are like a steel silver blue colour. They're made of fiberglass, unbelievably. You won't be able to buy them now. And I need to first stress that at the back of our garden, there's, there's pasture and there's a herd of cattle. It'll make sense in a moment. So I'm looking and I can see eyes in the curtains and I can see four sets of eyes. And the only thing that only thing that my young eyes can think of is that they're the eyes of cows, because that's the only thing that I can think that are as big and as black as those eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because we, we all, we, all, we, all we can draw on our life experiences, really, aren't they? Nothing else. So I'm looking at these eyes and they're sort of coming in and out of focus and it's chameleon like. And I'm not frightened at this moment. And suddenly they're around me and they're either side of the bed and they're typical what people would perceive as thin grey aliens. I need to stress again, I'm not necessarily from outer space, but alien to what we know and understand. Right. Don't remember anything happening after that. I, I haven't got a... I mean, I spoke to Whitley Strieber at length about this in 2006 and we've exchanged loads of correspondence and I met up with him last year. Whitley has encouraged me to get my medical records and all sorts of things, which I've done. And uh, where am I going with this? So all you're going to get from me, I know some people can give you an abduction scenario, should we say, or some interaction and give you a start, a middle and an end. I, I've all, I can only retain cameos of events, little pockets of, of, of events. And that, I mean, the first thing that happened, I woke up, I've wet the bed, I go downstairs and for that I get a good smacking off my dad for wetting the bed. Don't tell him anything that I've seen. Uh, and if that had been the only thing to have happened to me, and I wonder if there's other people around the world who've, who've experienced it and thinking, was and remembered from childhood, was that just a bizarre dream or was it real? That's that's what I've, I would have thought. But there were loads more interactions like that. The nights were terrifying. Going to bed, and and they weren't every night. Not necessarily every month or two months, but it was terrifying. So you'd go to bed and. I, did, I wouldn't leave the bedroom. I was frightened to leave the bedroom, even though everything that was happening was in that room. Right. You bunch all the covers up around you and create a little hole to look through, thinking you're going to be ready when they come. God knows what a little boy's going to do. Nothing. But it's just mm -hmm. it's just fear. If I could have climbed in wall, I would have done. I swear to you, I would have. I'd, I was so frightened. And you'd wake up and they'd be around you. And there's no mind speak. Not that happened in my 30s, the, the, the communication. And that were only on one occasion. There's no mind speak. There's nothing. It's just some strange interaction that's taking place where the only thing that can that absorbs anything are your eyes because you just can't move. And I, I likened it to, I think we've all done it. If you've ever leant on your arm and it's gone dead and you sort of move and you feel, you think, oh, God. I know it's my arm, but I can't feel it. Well, if you move, yeah, if you move real slow, you can almost feel the life coming back into the limb, the, the arm or the leg. When when they were there and when this, whatever they were doing, and it were all fear-based as far as I can see, when they were there, everything, entire body felt like that. And it felt like the blood were leaving my body and returning, flow and return, flow and return. It was the strangest sensation. So that continued intermittently until about the age of 14 and the bedwetting I've, I've, I've no i'm 60 years old now i've no fear in saying this and and, and i'm past the stage of trying to convince anybody that i'm telling the truth because i'm not here to convince anybody i have 100 percent of respect for people who say well i don't believe it because seeing is believing experience is believing and if you've not experienced it i realize how hard it is for somebody to get their head around it so i don't really take offense unless somebody's really outright rude to me if they said well i can't believe this because i've never experienced it right. so 14 years old mum and dad left that house and we moved to this other house in Conisborough, and it all just petered out everything just stopped i got married we had five girls we've got four girls now and uh I didn't say anything to Mary about any of this. I kept it all all tight. It was these were just memories, and even then, I probably thought about it every day and every night. You know, when I said to you, all you've got, you can get from me are cameos of events, and there's loads more. You know, we could fill hours and hours with childhood, right. uh, but. I'm working through them all the time. I bet you, even tonight, I shall find myself laid there, and one of these events will come into my mind. I can't get any further. 
I, I just can't get any further with the memories. The memories I retain are all I can get. And people have said, do you want regression? You know, I, I spoke with Daryl Sims at the awakening and, and mm -hmm. Daryl said, have you thought about that? And I don't know, because I'd be I'd be frightened that I might add something that it didn't actually happen to it and, and, and mold the the my story into something that that's just out of context mm -hmm. unless an actual memory comes through you know I, I don't really want i don't really want to do it i thought when i wrote night people when i were going in deep and because i and trying to remember everything i thought more more would come too but right. it didn't that one thing one thing happened and it's hardly it's hardly groundbreaking and there's a little street called Church Street in Mexborough where I was running before one of these incidents. And I was kicking loads of leaves about, sycamore leaves. So I realised it were autumn. So that's hardly earth-shattering news, you know. Uh, but but nothing more. And all the interaction for me stopped until the age of about 31. Uh, and in 1993, obviously I'm married then. We've got the girls, myself and Mary. We moved to the property that we're living now. This, this house in Bridlington. And it literally started within days of, of moving up here. So I don't know whether you have any questions after, after me talking about any of that. Well, the one thing that sticks out in my mind with these things is I always wonder, because they've been coming for a long time, and I'm not going to say they're hurting people, the experiments and all this going on with the hybrids. When you think about the creatures like, say, the Wolfman or or, you know, these different creatures, Sasquatch even, um, like the reports that the Sasquatch will, will disappear into a blue light. It makes me wonder if these, these cryptids that we're seeing weren't experiments that they did originally on humans and they didn't work out. And they sent them back and they were, there were enough of them to multiply and that's what we're seeing now. You know, it, but, but it, it, uh, yeah, it's like a DNA thing gone wrong. It, 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 oh, why not? It's, why not throw that out there? I mean, I, I've, I've not heard that one, but I, I've no. It's, it's as valid as what a lot of other people are saying, and as valid as what because I haven't got the answers, uh -huh. you know. But you know, I've I've spoke to a lot of hunters. I've you know I've spoke to cryptid researchers and experiencers in in, in America. You know, I've exchanged correspondence with, with with lots of the people who are real prominent and. I, I don't know if you deal with Josh Turner and Barton Nunley and uh, do you know what I mean? And, and Ken yeah. Gerhardt, yeah. you know, in fact, Ken's written for Wolflands for us. He's, he, cause, but, but regardless, I, I've, I've exchanged and, and spoke to a lot of these people. And, 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 but what interests me are the hunters in America who, who be, firmly believe that these creatures, and I know we're back to the cryptid now, but right. as long as you're happy enough, that's cool with me. Mm -hmm. They believe that, some of them believe that this is a bonafide flesh and blood creature that's avoided detection. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I realise you've got the landmass mm -hmm. potentially to have something that could avoid being detect detected. Mm -hmm. And you've probably got the food source there in the form of deer and you know and, and various other things. Mm -hmm. But it's what it's what they talk about when when the hunters say that we like I lined this thing up in my sights with a thirty yard six and shot it centre mass, and nothing happens. And you know, and they're talking about using a gun that can drop a a moose or a bear, and uh -huh. nothing happens. To me, the war, the red light sort of flicks on in my head. I'm thinking, well, doesn't that tell you that this is a little bit more than? Your normal flesh and blood creature, yeah. and you know I've talking, I've spoken to American Indians. I spoke to Larry Sespooch. I don't know if I've spoken to him. He's he's, he's a brilliant teacher, and uh, he believes. I wanted to speak to him about the the Flixton werewolf in regard to his knowledge of the Skinwalker, uh -huh. and and he he firmly believes that these creatures can li uh, can live between worlds. And that's their ability to slip in and out of our existence. To some people, it's good, you're going to be a leap too far into the woo. Sure. But but uh, you know, I think I think we've got to lay all the cards out on the table and listen to people like Larry, listen to people like Paul, listen to you, listen to your audience who might have an alternative view. And I mm -hmm. think providing people aren't just saying what a load of rubbish, I don't believe a word you're saying, mm -hmm. and they bring something positive to the table, we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. 
that's why when you're talking I'm also thinking about EVPs you know that that we get and when you talk about uh, these things living in between dimensions and stuff when you hear a lot of these EVPs I mean you know, the ones that you hear mostly from like the ghost hunt groups are the, are the really good voices but it's the stuff that you don't hear that sound like it's it's, it's miles away or it's muffled like it's underwater you know things like that and I have a feeling that that's what's going on is we're picking up these things that are between dimensions and other dimensions. Yeah, you, you know, you could be right. And we I've not heard I've not used EV, EVP to, to get mm -hmm. the voice phenomena. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll jump to that in a moment, what, what okay. we have used. But uh, in in 2017 to 2019, I were looking into a lot of uh, animal mutilations that were mm -hmm. taking place about four miles away from uh, where I live. And I, when I say a lot, I was finding deer, fox, badger, 50 head of sheep when it had finished. Wow. I got to it where I found out on New Year's New Year's Day, because there, there was a vagrant who lived in Dane's Dyke, he, a lovely guy. He'd lived in there for like 11 years. And me and my wife used to take him food. And we took him some New Year's Day. We weren't alone. We were, you know, we, a lot of people liked peter he's not there now somebody burnt his camp out but when i got to him new year's day he said the police had just been and and he said they'd just been to ask him if he'd seen any unusual animals because some sheep had been killed in bempton and they were looking for an unusual looking dog so that kind of got my interest i discovered who the farmer was went and spoke to him nothing about unexplained phenomena i said i've got an avid interest in the wildlife and that i'd like to look into this for you you know, I'll be respectful to the land and to your, your livestock. And he let me. And for for best part, from 2017, certainly into mid-2018, I was on those fields in between 4 and 4.30 a.m. He'd lost, he'd lost about 27 sheep when I found out. He'd lost 50, I'm going 49 or 51 when we'd done, when it petered out. And I were on them fields before first light, obviously in the winter, simply because the other farmers around the area were saying it's the work of uh, badgers and foxes. The, they weren't taking the lambs. Whatever was doing it was killing the fully grown ewe. There was no blood. The faces were stripped of skin. I mean, Linda Moulton Howe were fascinated. We've sat down and talked about this. And I've just done an interview with her actually now, and that should be coming out in a few in in about two weeks. Uh -huh. She she was absolutely fascinated. Uh, a front left leg missing, eyes removed, ears removed. I'm sorry if it's too macabre. You must stop me if it is. And uh, no, I, you know, it's, it's, I, I realize it's not for everybody, and it's not a subject I find great pleasure in. Oh uh, no, everybody, but, um, everybody that watches this show knows we're PG thirteen. A kind of bordering on R, so they're aware of it. They don't like it, they can just move on. So we're good. Well, do you want to talk about something else? No, I'm fine with it. Go uh, for okay. It. So, so, so we're finding. So, so how do we get to the voices? I used to do a grid of these fields. There's 400 sheep on it, and then I'd drop into a woodland, which incidentally was the north side of Dane's Dyke, because mm -hmm. Dane's Dyke, this earthwork, was two and a half miles long, or is two and a half miles long. So I'd drop into this private woodland that Dane's Dyke ran through. I went through it one day with my little dog, Wolfie. I don't read anything into the name. He was about that big. He's a tiny <laughs> little dog. Just a companion. My wife's dog, if I'm being truthful. But we heard voices. We heard electronic voices. Uh, and now, it, it sounded robotic and disjointed. Yes. And it... And it there was Bracken, I'll grant you that there was Bracken, so I suppose at 5am there's potential for somebody to have been laid in the Bracken, can't mm -hmm. deny that, but it unnerved me, because I, you know, you know if there's a, one man walking yeah. about in the darkness in woods and fields like this, I, I don't get frightened easily, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I might in your side of the world when you've got bears and things like that, but you right. know, there's not really anything that's going to damage us, unless we're talking about whatever's interacting with this livestock. Right. Well, I looked and there's a field of borage, the, the purple flower. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, shall I cross this field? Because that's unnerved me. I, I clearly heard it and it was very close. And it were, it didn't sound like a walkie-talkie. Like, you know, you could hear the stop-start. It was a voice and it were like broken and disjointed. It were really strange. Almost crackly as well. So anyway, I didn't go through the, forage, the borage. I walked back the same way. But as I came back across the field... The farmer were walking towards me. He'd got me a coffee 
and he told me that he'd found a deer near the kissing gate, which I'd missed because I drove past that as I park on his farm. Right. We looked at this deer, face facial strip. Once again, you, you know the score. I don't need to go into any great details. So, so, the, so the deer's deceased. Interesting thing, he said, he's got a little bit of an hard standing decking. He said, I was sat on my decking the other night and at the side of the decking, there's a field of barley. He said, and I can hear voices in, in barley. He, I said, what do you mean? He said, I said, how far away? He said, literally about 20 foot away. There's no tracks in it. There's no broken down stems. There's nothing. Yet he heard voices in it. So the voice phenomena he'd heard as well. I don't know where it fits. I mean, you, you, you sound like you might have more of an idea of that than myself. But all the time we've got this multi-phenomena interaction going on. Well, it's like you say, um, I don't have the answers either. I just know I've been doing this for 18 years. So I know, you know, what we have picked up, you know, on recorders and stuff over the years. And you're right. That, that, that robotic voice really throws you when you hear it. And I got quite with, a few like that. Yeah, w w without a doubt. And we we have a we have a YouTube channel and I'm not just trying to plug it here but but okay, anybody fine. who wants well it's, it's called truth proof so if you want to go onto youtube and uh, uh, go just get into it the truth but, but if you if you scroll back through the, the videos and there's there's quite there's a few hundred on there's one with uh, you know the little meter that flashes all the lights up i don't know i don't even know which one it's called i spend thousands of pounds on cameras me and i mean thousands of pounds not uh, it's my passion i've just bought a black magic right. to do more filming but we've, i've got a few of these meters so i'm on the cliff tops in the darkness with a guy called mick park and we we take them up quite often and we, we ask them questions because mediums have come up onto the cliff tops with us and perceived things and felt things and and, and i like to take when i when they do come up with us i don't tell them where the other mediums have sensed or felt anything strange and uncannily they're picking up most of them in the same areas you know so so i take this meter up and i'll, I'll ask it sensible questions and we try and get his head in the right place and it's usually when there's just a few of us and it was me and mick park mm -hmm. and if you look at if you look at the youtube link and find the the one with the the where i'm asking it questions this mm -hmm. thing is lighting up full spectrum of lights as i uh, to question as i'm asking it things and i say can you stop now stops i'll leave wow. it a few seconds i said can you start again it's gone need to stress we are, i've always got cameras with me expensive cameras but there's nobody on these cliff tops we know when we're using this i put them cameras miles away not miles away that was sure. stupid i put them a good distance away and i also I ain't got my phone on me but i also make a point of of now I do, just for the people that say, oh, that's your phone that's interacting. I get my phone, I click it to light it up, and I'm, I'll do that. And as I get closer, it starts to light up. I said, the phone's nowhere near. Right. So once again, these, these, these little machines do have their purpose. It's not something that we've invested lots of time in, but there was, it's strange because we'd spent probably years taking them up there and, and not expect, I wouldn't say not expecting a result. It's not our thing. It's probably your thing, by the from what I, from where I'm leaning with this. But what I'm meaning is, we'd had no results, but then right. suddenly we got the results. And guess what? When once you're focused on it, just like we talked about earlier, uh -huh. and you you actually know that there's something to this, so you then you you you're operating it with some kind of intent and some kind of meaningful or purpose. Uh -huh. We're getting results with it. We're we're actually getting results with this, you know. So it, it's 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 an it's an asset. I don't. I've I've got a infrared camera, you know, with the black lens. I've had no, we've had no results with it so far. You know, we've got a nice Canon camera that we set up on a tripod, remote control to take these pictures, and you know, and just get this. We're getting all this spectrum of light that we can't see. No results so far. I'd love to say it's been stunning. It's been absolutely brilliant, but I'll I'll persist. You know, we take thermal cameras out there. Uh, I thought I'd filmed an absolutely fabulous whale. So, sorry, that un underwater UFO, a USO, several months ago, which is on the Truth Proof channel. And some researchers would have wanted to pass it off as seeing a true unknown under the sea. But a few weeks after or this, I'd seen this huge tube of light under the sea through the thermal. 
a 45 foot fin whale beached itself on the beach. And I think what I was filming was the eat signature from the whale, you know. And so, right. so once again, we've got to be honest about what we're looking at and not dress the phenomena up and try and pretend if that makes sense. We've got, you know, let's let's deal with it as it's happening. And if we think we've filmed a true unknown or seen a true unknown or experienced it, then let's talk about it. But if we find an answer to it, equally so, let's tell people. Sure. sure. So as you've been saying that or today, um, the area that you live in is very active with stuff. So are you looking at, like you said, you're talking about cryptids. What about a ghost activity in the area? Because you've got haunted castles and there's stuff. I haven't really delved into the ghost activity okay. of the area, but it, it 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 does interest me. There's a disused, there's a there's a medieval village about twenty miles away. It's called Warham Percy, and there's a church there. There's the there's the foundations of houses. There's a graveyard, and it's just in the middle of nowhere. You've got to cross over a load of fields and that. And we, I've been with people who've been on ghost hunts. Is that the word? Uh, I've not tagged along with mild sort of amusement. I've tagged along because it's been, I found it interesting. So I I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not something that doesn't interest me. I think everything's got a place, you know, and if I saw the apparition of the ghost of big railings, from what I'm told, it's a sphere of light, but I'd be the first to tell people, no, I actually saw the physical form of something that kind of dissipated. Uh, then yeah, I, I I don't see I don't see the the ghost phenomena as any less important than everything else that we're looking into. Absolutely. Now, when when you talk about your area, how many, are there different cryptids that people see, or is it mainly you know like like the Wolfman cryptids that, that you guys are seeing? The the if we if we travelled. It's debatable. If we travelled seven miles from Broxa Forest, sure. we come to a place called Stape. And back in 2002, there's, there was a young gamekeeper working there. Uh, and he, he, in his own words, he says, I'd gone a bit feral. He said, I'd worked there a few years. He says, and unless you've got a reason to go deep into the forest, and these are big forests, even for UK. We've got 500, up in this area, we've got 525 square miles of forest, woodland and more. It's the North Yorkshire Moors National Park. Obviously, it can't compete with the forests in America and, and, and Canada. I realise that, but it's still a big area. Right. He said, so I've been there a few years. He said, but I, I had to go in. So I don't know whether there were a dog missing or something. He had to go into it deeper than he normally did. And he came across an abandoned farmhouse. And there's a clearing. There's about 40-foot clearing to the pines. And the pines are tied up to the sides of the farmhouse. He said, I was living in a caravan, excuse me, as part of my accommodation. He said, so I took this farmhouse on. I, I just lived in it. He said, there were a well. So, so I'd boil me water. There were a fireplace. He said all the doors were just swinging. It said, well, last occupied in 1956. He found that out. So he said, I used to barricade the back door up, bolt the front door up, put the fire to boil me water, to have me food. And, and that's what his base. This is in 2002. Uh-huh. said, I'm settling down for the night and we'll get to different cryptid. That's where, where we're going with this one. I sure, not no forgot. problem. Yeah, no he said, he said, I've had, oh, first of all, first of all, he said, a few days before this happened, he said, my cousin had come to visit me and we're walking along the logging road. It's dark mm-hmm. back towards the farmhouse. He said, and from my right hand side, he said, a huge baseball side sphere of light just burst up from the ground and went straight up into the heavens. He said, he's a former Marine, this guy. He said, I instantly dropped my cousin to the floor and myself. He said, because I thought we'd caught a tripwire flare and I expected squaddies to come out of the forest, you know, soldiers. Right. He said, we just sat, stayed there. He said, nothing happened. This light just carried on going into gone. Need to say as well that we're, we're only a few miles from area Filingdales, which is the early warning uh, radar station, one of the most important ones in, in Europe. So there, there is a military presence further up, just only about three or four miles away. Uh, so we've seen this light. He said, the next day I went back, he said, expecting to find magnesium burns, scorch marks. There was nothing. Well, Cousin goes home. He's going about his farming, his, his gamekeeping, maintaining the pheasants and everything else. He said, and see, there's more to this before we get to the fireplace. <laughs> he said, he said, uh, he said, I could hear voices in my ear. 
like whispering. He said, and I turned around, there's nothing there. It was almost like there was somebody right against my shoulder. He said, and me and another gamekeeper, the, the mature gamekeeper, this guy's only a young guy. Right. He said, we heard a baby crying in the forest. It just sounded like a, an infant, little baby. He said, and we walked to the edge of the forest where we'd heard it, and it stopped and started deeper in. We went deeper in, and it stopped and started deeper again wow. further in. He said, and it was unnerving, very unnerving. He said, but we couldn't... Bear in mind, these guys have got no interest in the cryptid phenomena. You know, they're just thinking the strange things happening. They've not connected the sphere of light. So, so this, his cousin Danny's gone home. He's heard the voices. He's, you know, and he's just inaudible. He said it was just sort of out of earshot, but it sounded like it were on my, on my shoulder. He said, so I get settled down for the night. I'm in my sleeping bag and I'm facing the window. And it's it's a imagine a window with about twelve small panes in it, and a big old farmhouse. Uh, sorry, a little farmhouse that's no plaster in it, all just stone. And he's on a stone stone floor. He says, "And my feet are to, is to the fire." He says, "And I don't know why I woke up. I just know I did wake up." He says, "In the early hours at morning." He says, "And the embers are just about dead in the bottom of the fire." He said, "And I'm looking at the window." I'm not looking for something. I just know I've woke up. He said, the back door's barricaded, the front door's bolted. He said, and there's a bit of moonlight, no full moon or anything, but there's a bit of light outside. He says, and this big thing just come to the window. He said, and it filled. Now, if anybody who watches Wolflands, it's on Amazon Prime at the moment. Anybody who watches it, you'll see this guy is 22 stones. He's huge. He said, this thing was huge. It filled the window and it's stooping down to look wow. in he said so i don't see no glowing eyes i don't see no teeth i see these monstrous shoulders and, and arms and this head that i can't see top of its head because it's stooping down we measured it and it's to the lintel it's over seven foot so you know we we measured it for the film and he said it just it, it's watching me and i'm just he says i'm hoping i'm in the shadow and i said to him i said what do you think it could have done he said could it have brought door down he said it it could have come through a wall if it had wanted to. It was so big and powerful. So he said eventually it drifted away and he had an uneasy night. But if the the whisperings that on his shoulder pers persisted and the, the uneasiness and the baby crying in the, the forest persisted. So he decided, <clears throat> he said, I, I decided to camp outside the farmhouse <clears throat> towards the edge of those trees about 30, 40 feet away. As the pines came down, he says, I set a tarp up on the ground and I settled down and I watched the farmhouse. He says, and then sometime in the early hours of the morning, it came out. He says, and it went down the side of the farmhouse and he said, we're just above the gutter. Now, we're not talking about above the gutter of the other floor. You've got the building and then it drops right. down to a row of small buildings, long, long, thin buildings. The farmhouse from the front looked huge, but when you got inside it, it was so narrow. Do you know what I mean? Oh, right, right. So, he said, but the way it moved, it just glided. He said, I, I, I just, it, it didn't walk, it arrived. So it's almost ghost-like, you know, in, in a way. He said, if you'd swept a torch down the building, it just arrived. Like He said, it's looking in at the window. He said, I've packed my sleeping bag inside to make it look like me, lit the fire. He said, and this thing is watching me inside while I'm watching it. He said, but I got the idea that there's something else watching me. Mm -hmm. He said, I just felt it. He said, eventually it turned and went back into the forest. Now, I would have been terrified. Oh Seriously, God, yeah. I know I would. Uh, but anybody watching Wolflands and sees this guy, you will realise the way he talks, he, he doesn't he talk in some big macho manner. He, he just says it like it is. And you'll think to yourself, yeah, I bet this guy did do that. He said, so I went, he said, I'd already bolted the front door, but the one that barricades up round the back, he says, I went round the back, went inside. He says, my biggest fear was that this thing would got inside. Right. He said, but and I barricaded it up. He says, and I left the next day. So, and then we, we've been back since and we've, everybody, I've, I've tried to, if, if I'm if I'm getting these accounts off people, then I want to walk in their footsteps if possible. And I'm not saying that out of bravery. I want I want to try and be where they were when they've seen and experienced these things. Oh. And uh, we've been back several times and spent nights there. And it's 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 fascinating. Now that jumping to it, different cryptids. I forgot the root of your question. Then I apologize. Oh. Um, 
that sounded more like Bigfoot type activity mm -hmm. than the werewolf. But what's interesting is we're literally seven miles away from where the guys in Broxer had their experience. If we go a mile further inland, there's a there's another farmhouse that's abandoned called Leaf Howe. And that used to, in back in the 1990s, uh, a school about 150 miles away used to let take teachers and school children and they used to go there for holidays. And there's pupils from back in 1994 got in touch with me. Uh, and I don't mean a class full, there's two of them, to say that whilst staying at the farmhouse, they went for a midnight walk with the teacher and this thing, this we'll call it a Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it, that's what they likened it to, paralleled them as they're walking through, down one of the paths. Uh -huh. So frightened were the, one of the girls, she had to sleep in the female teacher's room, and apparently this thing were banging on the walls. So that's a mile away from where the gamekeeper had his encounter. If we go the other way and we stay, go to the Broxer Forest, a little bit further inland and up, uh, towards the coast we've got Dalby Forest and in Dalby Forest back in the 1990s to the 2000s there was a famous UFO investigator people can look him up he's passed away now but I knew him uh, called Tony Dodd he was a police detective and he, he wrote an amazing book called The Alien Investigator really good book and but he was in Dalby Forest when the gamekeeper was having all these experiences and the two never met you know, only a few miles away, and he was right. looking into he, he was looking into the animal fatalities. That's, I've dressed it up now. We're not said the other word. The animal mm -hmm. fatalities, and also human fatalities, said to be alien related. And he mm -hmm. was looking into those in Dolby Forest. We've covered those in Wolflands as well. So fascinating. It's multi phenomena. It's, it's just never ending. It is fascinating. You know, this hour blew by. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours. I love this stuff. Love it, love it, love no it. It's all good. It's all good. And keep up the good work on your end because we need the research, right? Everybody's yeah, well, this stuff. Any, anybody interested? I, I realize we've just about done now, haven't we? Yeah, just about. Any, anybody interested in the books? They're on the, the Kindles are on Amazon and the paperbacks are available, truthproof.uk. And the, 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 documentary is on Amazon Prime. I'm not asking to sell to for you to download it, sure. read the reviews. See what you think. Absolutely. I would love to have you on again to talk, if that's okay, at some point. Of course it is. It'd be a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. That would be great. That would be so fun. What what website can people find you at? at Truthproof.uk. And we have a Thursday night live stream uh, this coming Thursday. We're talking about ghosts, actually. We've got the, oh, the, the awesome. ghost whisperer on. Uh, and uh, But we have all sorts of people on. We've had people like Rick Doty. Uh, Whitley Strieber, the scientist from Skinwalker. We, we, you know, we, we, we mix it up. We're not going to just limit it to UFOs. So sure. every Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time, we've got a two-hour live stream. Great interactive chat as well. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. And your YouTube channel? The YouTube channel, yeah, that's the Truth Proof YouTube channel. So just type in Truth Proof, Paul Sinclair, the information will come up. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it again. We're going to have the touch base again because I'd love to talk more to you. I really would. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a great yeah. night. All have day. a great night. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. That was fascinating. And I, I love the history over there. You know, they've got so much more history than we do, obviously, you know, because we're, we're still young compared to over there. But hearing these different stories is very, very interesting to me. And I hope it was to you. Tomorrow we'll be back at our usual time with Larry E. Arnold, and we're going to be talking about spontaneous human combustion. So that should be an interesting night. In the meantime, I hope you guys have a great evening, because I know a lot, a lot of you are going to be coming home to watch this this evening. But for the people that are on right now watching, I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you could do me a favor, and let me sit up here, ah, and share it. Share the show with five people, if you can do that for me. Because when you do that, if we, you know, we're just trying to build it up, just like, like like on Facebook. If you're watching from Facebook, uh, if you haven't done so already, press that follow button. Also, you know, if you like what you see and hear today, please be sure to hit those thumbs up, those hearts, and those happy faces, because that puts us up higher in the uh, yeah, the computer world there to, to where Facebook puts us out to more people. 
Same thing with YouTube. Uh, we're about 320 away from having our thousand subscribers. We're almost there. So if you haven't done so already, and you like what you hear and see today, please be sure to subscribe. There's over six, there's over 700 videos sitting over my mouth. It's so dry right now. There's over 700 videos sitting over there, and it's about topics like this. It's about ghosts. It's about psychics. It's a, you, you name it. It's over there. And what I've done is I've started to categorize everything. So I put everything in into folders so you can find it easier. Like this, this will fall under the cryptic area. So yeah, you can find it easier. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming, and uh, I will see you guys tomorrow evening, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, for Larry E. Arnold. Have a great rest of your evening and day.